something happens. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a move of God. Amen. Our country needs a move of God. Amen. And it starts with, that's right, people of God. Starts with us. Glory. Listen, I've been pastoring a long time. I don't, can't even think of how many years at the moment. Uh, but I really believe that the, the Lord is starting to move amongst us here at New Hope. I really do. And I, I hope that you sense that. Uh, because if you don't, you need to. Uh, because it's our only hope is that the Lord injects himself into our current situation as a nation and certainly as a church. Now listen, our nation goes not by the way of the voter. It doesn't go by way of Congress and all that they think it does. Our nation goes by the way of the people of God on how we pray and how earnest we take our position uh, in this. And by the condition of our nation, you can tell that the church has been lack, been slacked in its duty of seeking God. So therefore, I've titled this morning's message, Impotent Folks. Impotent folks. Now listen, um, I've been saved since 1974, so that's 40 whatever years. Um, This church is what, going to be 26 years old in a few weeks. Uh, So I've been around the block. I've read um, tremendous books, wonderful written books by Leonard Ravenhill and Tozer and these uh, uh, unbelievable men of God. I've read and looked at what they walked in how they walked, what was going on at that time. And I compare it, and I look in the mirror of myself, and I'm thinking, God, this just can't be. What we have in this gospel is so precious, so powerful, and so glorious. What it's lacking is the people uh, that will see it and step forward. I've always told the Lord, God, I want a church. I really do, Lord, but I don't want a church... Uh, way back, off the beaten path, unmoved, with a nice little crick running through the yard, and all the very, I just don't. I want a church on the front line. I really do. I want a church actually behind the enemy's line, is what I want. And that has always been my desire, and I think my biggest obstacle is me. It just is. Flesh just kind of gets in the way all the time. So, at the turn of this year, I just felt like the Lord was cranking it up in here and for us, and I pray that you have ears to hear uh, even this morning. Impotent folks. John chapter 5, starting with verse 1, says this simply, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool. Now, I'm going to use that sheep market. They're actually talking about literal sheep, but you know that the Bible compares us to sheep. So that's you and I today. Here at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda means house of mercy or flowing water. God's house, His house of mercy that is renewed every morning. Salvation drawn up like water. We the sheep at the pool in his house. Verse 3 says, And these lay in these lay a great multitude of impotent folks. Mean infirmed folks. And it goes on and names them blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. Waiting. Now look, 
Many in our nation might not even know it. Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, are waiting for a true, real move of God. Longing and wanting. They're searching everywhere, trying anything. Crack, drugs, pot, women, money, everything. They don't even know that their real desire is a true move of God. But you and I know it. So there's this great multitude, and I'm not excluding myself, I'm talking about myself, of impotent folks in the house of mercy, waiting for a move of God, infirmed, blind, halt, can't walk right, no power, withered. Look, the world, you can see in verse 5, says, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity, 38 years. This man was waiting for something, somebody who had the truth, that would walk in the truth, that would speak the truth, that would move in the name of the Lord, a church that would take on that mantle, a group of people. He waited 38 years for a moving, impotent himself, infirmed, weak. Definition of impotent means to be weak, means feeble, to be without strength, powerless. Now to me, as a pastor, this to me is a picture of the church. You and I have become impotent, infirmed, blind, halt. We don't understand the responsibility that we have, that we are to be a tool in the hand of Almighty God for those who are waiting for a move of God. We are to be vessels in the house of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with a good, strong walk, having the power of God in us when we speak, that the anointing goes forth. But the church, us, we have lost our voice. We have lost our influence on our nation. Look at our nation. Look at our nation. Our nation used to be moved and kept in line by the preaching of the word of Almighty God and by those who believed it. Those who believed it would rise up and say, no way, no more. That isn't in our nation. We've dropped the baton of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So we have lost our voice, influence, and strength. And here's why. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We do what we want to do. We go where we want to go. Say what we want to say. We're into our own thing now. Not God's thing, but our own thing. So here are all these impotent, weak, powerless sheep laying around the pool in the most spiritual, holy city, Jerusalem, and we're doing our own thing, going astray. Everyone doing what they want, when they want, and how they want. No longer burdened with the gospel. No longer heartbroken over the lost. No longer shedding a tear over a nation who is blind. 
And God tells us in Matthew that you are the salt of the earth. You are the preserver. You are the one that keeps things from uh, degrading, becoming rotten and stinking. You are, you're the salt. We're the salt. Salt sitting right here on 40. Hundreds, if not thousands, go by. We need a move of God. We need people to hear this and see it and go after it. Because God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Yes. So who were there? The blind, the halt, and the withered. Let's look at the blind first. The blind are there. Jeremiah 5.21 says this. Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not. Every one of you have eyes. We have natural eyes that see red lights stop, that see the thing on the grocery shelf that you need. But God says we have eyes, but we see not. We don't see the urgency of the hour, the need to step it up. So we sit in the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy. The song, I picked that song special, special. On a, on a minute's notice, told them all, come and sing if you can. Because something happens, something special. When you see it and you go for it, it will happen. I guarantee it. John 44:35 says this. Say not ye. In other words, John say, don't start telling me this. He said, don't start telling me there are yet four months. Then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. Look on the world. Look on the fields. Look on Muskingum County. Look at your job. God says this to you and I. It's white. The harvest. It's ready to be harvested, but you have eyes and see not. Because we see the world, we see the mean, filthy, cussing, spitting, tobacco, chewing. That's what we see. We don't see the heartbroken, the downtrodden. We don't see the neglected and the lonely. We don't see the ones that are hooked and possessed. We don't. But God is here to touch your eyes today. Today, something will happen if you respond. So God says to us, lift up our eyes and look. Look, the fields are white. The harvest, the big harvest machines, whatever they're called, should be already out there churning and getting and bringing in the harvest. But the fields just sit because the church has become impotent, infirmed. Weak, blind, halt, withered. And God is here to to change that. You understand, I'm not chastising. I'm telling you, God's here to change that. He sees us in our state and knows we can't get out of it in our own ability. And so he starts to stir the pool of Bethesda. It starts to stir. And those who get in, God says it will heal them. 
It will open your eyes. It will open your ears. It will give you strength. You will see why you're here. So we have the halt there also. These are those that are lame and can't walk right. Everything's okay to do now. All sin is welcomed, it seems like, in this walk with God. And they, they can't walk right. They're infirmed. They're lame. The world's watching us and saying, well, if that's a Christian, that's what I do. And God has told you and I, be ye holy for I am holy. It's not an option. The halt, Ephesians 4.1 tells us, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Prisoners don't have rights. Prisoner can't get up and say, excuse me, open the jail, I'm going to Walmart. We're to be a prisoner. We are bought with a price. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That word means beg, beg you. Paul is begging the church, look, don't walk stupid. Don't call yourself the shirt. Take that t-shirt off if you're going to walk like a fool. He says, I beg you, walk worthy of your calling. You influence people whether you think so or not. Whether you're bold, brass, loud, or quiet and squeak. You influence folks that look at you all the time. So God says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy. You know what that means? Having worth or value. When you walk into a place that is pitch dark, gross darkness, God will say, there's one of mine that has value, that has worth. There's a light of mine. Going into that place, having worth. That's what we need to have. As a church, as people, no matter where we go, Colossians 1.10 says this, that you may walk worthy, having worth or value of the Lord unto all pleasing to God, not yourself. Being fruitful in every good work that God sends you to do. Always having fruit. In increasing and increasing in the knowledge of God, getting deeper in the things of God, learning God more. That's why sometimes I'll give you scripture and stop so you'll fulfill it, you'll come with it so you know it. These words have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, the psalmist said. So they have these impotent folks that's supposed to be the salt and the light of the world sitting in the house of mercy blind and halt and now withered so the withered are there as well withered means dry dry from lack of water Water is a type of the Holy Ghost, a moving of the Spirit of Almighty God, feeling God move on you and say, you know what, I've got to talk to that person. I don't know why, but i got to. Dry. We just walk in, get our milk, and leave. No stirring, no moving, no touching, no nothing. 
No burden from God. No waking up at 3 in the morning. No saying, I've got to pray. I've got to say something. I've got to visit. Withered. Dry from lack of water. Dry and parched is our land. Is America. We find ourselves with no power or strength. Our churches are dry, full of dead man's bones. We talk about how it used to be. Read stories about how it was. Raven Hill, Wilkerson, all that stuff. History books. Let's write some history. These were just men like you and I. Men that didn't, they weren't born preachers. I think Wigglesworth was a plumber. God got a hold of him. Can't quite remember what Raven Hill was, a tanner, or worked with leather or his hands, and God got a hold of him. Dead man bones. That's why the, the world just keeps driving by, driving past us. Until the church starts to get filled with the Spirit of God. And still water starts to come inside of them. It's like the uh, yellow brick road when the uh, tin man gets the oil. Which is a type of the Holy Ghost. He can't speak, can't walk until the oil of God, the Holy Ghost. Until the lion gets what? Courage. Gets a heart. Ezekiel 31 says this, And the hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Verse 2 says, And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. believe I got saved in December of 1974. I've had little moves and little that, little insights, little spurts, little enlightenings, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think I've ever been in a full-blown move of God. There's been fake ones, phony ones, set-up ones. Full-blown move of Almighty God. If you want to know why not, because... We're not hungry for it. We're not going after it. This church must. This church must. So we got this very dry valley full of bones. Now we're going to go back to the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy. In verse 4, it says, For an angel went down. Look, and I don't totally, completely understand this verse. It's beyond me. But I can get some stuff out of it that you and I need. For an angel went down at a certain season. There are certain seasons God does stuff. Certain seasons that he moves. Just like now we're in a season of cold, dark, early, winter, dead. No flowers, frost, scrape the windows, hard ground. It's a season. But that season will come to an end. Some of your flowers will start to push through and you know there's a, there's a sign of a season change that spring's coming. Growth, green, lush, flowers, birds are coming. Season. 
And so God has seasons with his people. You as an individual, he might take way out in the valley to speak to you and show you something. Might do it as a church. Seasons. And I believe that the Lord is taking us through a season of waking up. Stirring and waking up. Recommitting, rededicating, stepping up, manning up in this church. So it says there, verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, into the house of mercy, and troubled the water. Troubled, troubled the water. That's not a little cool spa. And everything's pleasure for your flesh. That's not what that word means. So whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And I'm saying, Lord, if you trouble the water here at New Hope, let New Hope step in. Heal us of all our flaws and our problems of being impotent, Lord. Eyes that see not, ears that hear not. That word, troubled, troubled the water, it means to agitate, to stir up. Have a little picture of you floating on your little floaty thing in, in your pool with your lemonade and your little special pocket and your cream on, your sunglasses and your hair made up as you just float. And then your eight-year-old comes running off and cannonball! That's what God's talking about. Agitate. Because it most likely would agitate the mother. And God says, He has come to trouble the water, to agitate it, and to stir it up. Stir it up! So that we become what we're to become again. So that we walk like we're supposed to walk again. So that we're prepared for battle like we're supposed to be prepared for battle again. And then if you refuse, God has another avenue. Deuteronomy 32.11 says this. As the eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, and takes them, and beareth them on her wings. Eagles are awesome. They build these huge nests way up high. And then little eaglets sit there and drowsy and sleep and get fed, hand-fed all the time until a certain season. And that mother starts to flutter. Without moving and everything's blowing around. Eaglets are going, what's going on? Where's my food? That word stirreth up means to rouse oneself, to awake, to incite. God don't, does that with me over and over because I'm thinking in my own self, going about my own way. I'm at the age now where I should lay down the baton, stick up the feet, have some cookies, and dump them in milk and eat. Let someone else carry it. Until next thing I know, I go, what's going on? My cookies are blown all over the place. I don't have any milk. God fluttering over top of me saying, no, no, no. 
You'll have plenty of that time in heaven. So the eagle stirreth up her nest. I'm not the eagle. God is the eagle. This is our nest. Fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings. And he tries to arouse them and to wake them and to sight them. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're created to do. Soar in the heavenlies. And if God didn't do that, those little eaglets would just sit there and get fat and never use the gifting and talents that God had given them. They'd be content to be hand-fed and do nothing. I would have to think an eaglet would go like this. No way. You're kidding me. And if you look at it, it bears them up on the wings, and she takes them up high. And they might be going, oh, this is kind of cool, until she goes, whoosh. And then she'll go down and get them before they hit, and do it again and again and again, until they start to go, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. And that's what will happen to you. When you start flapping those wings in God and God gives you that current underneath you and He takes you higher than you've ever been in God. Way as high as you can. You're going, oh, God, why did I take so long? I told the choir we're going to sing that song again. So get ready. When they come up to sing it again, it isn't to entertain you. Understand, any of this music we do is not to entertain you. It's to stir you. To cause you to flap your wings and say, God, I need something to happen in my life. I need something special. Lord, I need something supernatural. God, you've got to change the atmosphere in my life so that you can start affecting the atmosphere around your life. That's what you are called to do. Almost. <laughs> Joseph's pumped back here. He's ready to go. For this purpose, she stirs them out of the nest. Listen, they're used to being fed, like I told you. Every meal brought to them, just like you and I are. And while they wait for their next meal, they just kind of nod off in their little, their little nest, just like you and I. Until that mother comes and just flutters over them. She, I mean, she just causes a ruckus fluttering over top of them. She knows that they were not made to sit in this cozy nest. And to me, this, this fluttering that you kind of do once in a while, this is praying, seeking God and get a hold of God like never before. And when you do, everything starts going around. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, their strength in this. You, you look at it in your natural flesh and you go, Oh, man, he wants me to do more work. No! God is saying there'll be strength in this. Strength of you have yet to tap into. Strength. Be called of God. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. 
Not be wary of working. Not be wearing of your praying again. Not be wearing of church calling back. We've got to worship again. We're going into the city again. We're going to do this again. God giving us another. Not weary of any of it, but waiting in line for the next one. Absolutely. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't care how many children you have. Won't buy that excuse either. God gave you, if He gave you 59 children, He gave you them to raise them in the admonition of God. He ra- trained, gave you all of them to raise and train them to be warriors for God, men of God, people of God, watching from the very smallest age all the way through, doing everything. Sorry, I can't remember. Johnny, your son that was standing right in front of me, I wanted to really grab him just because he's singing in the choir. Not a sissy, he's not afraid to, and I'm, people are going to make fun of him because we've got those goofy robes on. He's just going to come and sing for the glory of God. That's what we need. Oodles of that. So back to these dry bones now. Ezekiel 37, 4. God will do this. He'll do this. And they that wait upon the Lord. Sorry, wrong one. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Do you have ears that hear this morning, O bones? And don't be indignant and say, oh, that's a slam. No, I, do I say to myself in the mirror, so you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is a great, high, holy calling. And you have been chosen out of the millions that are going to miss heaven. Billions. You, you have been chosen for something special. Something to happen. Something supernatural. So he said, prophesy to these bones. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. You believe that? You come to God and you say, God, I don't know what I can do. I don't know. I don't have any giftings, no talents, Lord. I can't play a radio. Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's not made up. That's where I tell God, God, I can't even play a radio. God said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And you will. When you're going, oh no, I can't. I can't do that. God takes you up and dumps you out. And you start to fly and start to soar. You're going to know it's God. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Church usually does not like noise. Behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinew and the flesh came up upon them, 
skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. What's that mean? It's God the Holy Ghost. Oh God, God the Holy Ghost, come. Come in this church. Come with your wind and your might and your power. Bring it all on us, God. Today, this morning, when we sing again, young and old, male or female, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath came upon them, and they lived and stood upon their feet. Listen, an exceeding great army. I loved it when the Boy Scouts were coming down, and one was going, lift, lift, lift. An exceeding great army. God's into armies. So the Lord is attempting to stir up and wake up his church. Ephesians 5, 14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth. Don't start with the excuses. I'm pregnant. I got to raise children. I got to work. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. Like all the great people of God before us and all the tremendous churches that were used by God before us didn't have to, I got, I got, I got. But they do. And they did. And they served. You and I are living in the ripe old age of we do what we want and when we want. Go about our own old thing, our way. So verse 14 in Ephesians 5 says this to you. If you have eyes and if you have ears, awake thou that sleepeth, Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. God tells you and I to put on the armor of light. Light. You understand light's a weapon? If Almighty came in his fullness and walked in here and turned up his light, you'd all hit the deck. If he turned it up so high, we'd all be little piles of ashes. Light is a weapon. Just heard on the news yesterday, some of the planes flying over to Columbus Airport were being hit with uh, lasers. Scared them. Light is powerful. Light is what you and I are supposed to be. Something happens when we sing again. I'm looking for people to come up and we'll pray for you again. I don't care how many times it takes to pray. We'll pray that God opens your eyes, that God uses your feet, that God gives you a voice. That when you speak, listen, you'll have weight to your voice. They might mop. (laughs) So what? When you speak, there'll be a weightiness to your voice and what you say. There'll be an anointing from God. And the next thing you know, someone will look you up and you'll start to speak to them and you'll say, hey, by the way, we're having church Sunday. You want to come? Impotent. Sleeping. In Jerusalem. Halt, withered, and blind in the house of mercy as the pool was being stirred. 
I need everybody to stand, and I need our choir back up here. Now listen, I'm going to make it as plain as possible, simple as possible. When the choir is singing that song, something happens. I'm asking God, God, let it happen. Whoever it is, whoever she is, whoever they are. And if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, even if you don't know what God's going to do, but you want God to do something, you come here and stand. And give us time. We will come and pray with you. Daryl will pray. Lenny will pray. We'll get some. Come down out of here. We've got people all over the place that will pray with you and for you that you are stirred and can be used and you can soar in the heavenlies and see what God does with you. Something will happen. 